My name is Kodo. All right, we did it. Welcome to Young Urban Zen. It's Tuesday, the week after Valentine's Day. And uh, how many are here for the first time? All right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome. Um, we're doing something a little bit different than we usually do tonight. So keep that in mind as you're having your first Yaz experience. Um, this is the fourth out of four sessions on meditation instruction designed specifically for this group. We're doing something of a, a gradual introduction to this, this style of meditation. And the secret is we're just getting to it tonight. So if you're starting tonight, welcome. You're right on time. Um, the previous three weeks have been a sort of gradual preparation for what we're about to do. Um, getting into what, what I might consider um, the, the house style of meditation, and we'll talk about that tonight. So part of, uh, part of what makes this different is we use the whole hour and a half for both instruction and guided sits, whereas for a usual, a usual Yaz meeting, we would sit for half an hour, and then we would have a short, short Dharma talk, and then we would have some conversation. So this is structured a little differently. So the way we're framing this, this series in meditation is that we are, we're developing a familiarity, a facility, and a fluency with all aspects of our experience. And the gradualness of the approach we've been taking these last several weeks is that we've taken one major section or aspect of our experience and talked about some ways to get familiar with that before opening up to everything all at once. So we started with the breathing, this like natural grounding center of our being. Uh, and talked about some skillful ways to both connect with and sustain connection with the breathing. Then we expanded out to include the body. So much Dharma is right there in the body. The, uh, the part of me that likes to overstate things wants to say everything you ever want to know about the Dharma you can learn about through your own body. And I'm not sure if that would be an exaggeration, truly. So from there, uh, we, we included this oh-so-important aspect of our experience, our emotions. How to live skillfully with our emotions, how to relate to them skillfully, and with the basis of mindfulness of the body, worked on this skill of parsing emotion as body experience from emotion as commentary. Emotion as sensation and emotion as story. Story can be there, but we kind of let it be in the background if that's possible. And let, uh, let the emotion process its way through the body. Last night we got into some, or last week we got into some tricky territory, mindfulness of thinking. How to do that in a way where we don't get swept up into the currents of our stories about everything. Everything. There's a reason it comes toward the end of the, the progression, because it's very good to have a, a grounding in the breathing, the body, and the motions. And over those weeks, sort of cultivate a, a felt sense of what is it like to be right here? And having that as a center of gravity from which we can be with or examine or investigate 
thinking as a process rather than really getting all caught in the content for, for the period of meditation. So it's a lot of content to cover in terms of meditative ground in three weeks. Um, and I hope, I hope you get a chance, if this, uh, if this approach to meditative cultivation sparks something in you, I really hope you get a chance to like, really spend some time with each one of these. Tonight, we're going to move on. In a sense, we're not, we're not moving on from anything, because everything that we've done so far is included. And tonight we talk about Shikan Taza, or Zazen, seated Zen, which is the, which for many, 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 many years has been uh, discussed as the central practice of the, this, uh, this Dharma house and this school. So I'd like to introduce it actually by um, guided meditation. We're going to do a sort of a gradual entry to Shikantaza within this meditation itself. So, why don't we find our way? Um, if there are any extra cushions in front of you, you might send them to the back for our, our friends who might not have enough furniture. Yeah, yeah, that would be good if you, if you like. It's worth it to really take our time to find our way into posture. I think this time, finding your way into a posture where you can be reasonably comfortable for maybe 15 minutes or so. To find your way there, maybe first sensing into the contact with the seat beneath you. Letting the body rest on the seat like so. If your if your knees are floating in an uncomfortable way. You might try moving forward on your cushion a little, which can let your hips tilt forward, tilt uh, back, depending on which way you're looking. We want a firm and steady base, the sitting bones and the legs. And from there, letting the spine grow tall and alert. At the end of a long day, I like to roll the shoulders back. Inviting the body to remember what balance feels like left to right, front to back. The neck can be just a touch long, 
and the chin a little bit tucked to balance your head. Hands can make an oval at the torso if that's comfortable or they can rest in your lap. And here taking a few deep breaths through the mouth, I recommend it's big, big breaths to relax the body. Let's just take a couple of minutes to settle here with our breathing. After those deep breaths, you can let the mouth gently close and just naturally breathe through the nose. Gently but clearly attending to the breathing. Now for the next few minutes, we're gonna take a, take a journey through each of the senses, becoming sensitive to each one and opening. We can begin with the eyes Gently open. And in the same way you are directing your attention to the breathing, to direct the attention to sight. 
exactly as it's happening now. Not looking for anything. The eye receiving sight all by itself. As you gaze and the eye is changing, subtle changes in color, little changes of light or shape. Just stay right here with sight as it is. As you do this, if there is any tension in the eye, just relaxing, relax the eye, letting sight see. Continuing, turning our attention to the ear. Relaxing the ear. Receiving sounds just as sounds. Come in and they disband. You may sense your way into what kind of effort does it take 
to steadily stay with the sound. Then turning our attention to the nose. It may be quite slight. Just the nose receiving smells in its relaxed state. and turning our attention to the tongue. Maybe some lingering flavors. One by one, inviting each of the sense doors wide open. and turning our attention to the body, the skin, tactile sensations of being alive, internally, externally, the sense door wide open to all sensations of the body. not lingering, not clinging or grasping to any sensation, 
but knowing each one. And finally, the sixth, sixth sense door of the mind. Sensing mind objects as they arise, as they fade away, just as impersonally as sounds. not trying to stop the mind from doing anything. But to notice its natural movement. And this last step we're about to take the radical one with all of your sense doors now sensitive all wide open simply to be completely aware of the experience of sitting here and now.
this entire experience of sitting with everything included. If we can call it effort, it's to stay right here with the senses that are sensing themselves. It could be that we want to stretch our legs. Why don't we stand up? No rush at all, just as you're ready. You can find your seats. And I'll know we're ready when everyone's seated. But yeah, take your time. Okay, maybe just a couple of minutes. Um, a few words from anyone who wants to say anything about that particular meditation or any um, questions that popped up while we were doing it, just to get a sense of where we are before we launch. Yes? Thoughts are one kind of mind object. Oh, sure, sure, sure. When, it, when, uh, when you say thoughts, I usually think discursive thoughts. Yeah, the thoughts that come to mind when you're meditating. Right. So Depending on how you're using the word thoughts, it may include everything that I mean. M mind object just means anything that's experienced at the mind door. Uh, thinking of the mi mind door as a sense door. So um, one way to get a sense for this might be if you usually think in thought. In, in words, your mind also generates pictures. And those can be some different kind of mind object. Just for example. Yeah? Smooth and quiet, yes. Oh, that's a very interesting question. Do we have external versions of the senses and internal versions of the senses? Yeah. Um, there, there are ways of reckoning in uh, Dharma categories where we talk about both. Sometimes we talk about the six sense doors as complete. 
And then sometimes there's something we talk about that's the external sense base and the internal sense base. So just a different framing within Buddhist psychology. But I, I, think, I think it can be really useful to investigate, you know, clearly there's like external smell. What would internal smell be? Just to poke around and see what arises. Yeah, of course. Yes. There's something, there's a move that we're making that you're describing here, which, which goes from choosing where we place our attention to allowing the attention to move itself freely. And we accompany it. And in, in the form of shikantaza, not only is that happening, but also the, the sense of an aperture can also, also changes. So like if, if we've been focusing on something small like the breathing and um, we move into shikantaza and something like the whole body becomes the base of attention or awareness for a period of time, you can see, you can see or sense or feel awareness like dilating. It's pretty cool, pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, Alex. Yeah, good question. Um, for people who are nerdy about this like I am, um, the way that I like to, let's say, I think for a lot of people who teach Zazen and Shikantaza, they use the terms interchangeably. Um, based on the, the study and the practice that I've done, I feel like Zazen is a bit of a bigger category that can include more practices than Shikantaza. We're gonna talk, talk a lot about Shikantaza tonight. But uh, to my mind, everything that we've done so far, including directed attention, can be included in Zazen. But it isn't, strictly speaking, Shikantaza. It seems like one of the themes of the question, tell me if I'm, if I'm getting there. I heard, I heard a, a handful of threads, and all of them, I think, would be a good thing to respond to. But I'll just pick one, and we, we can talk more. Um, for, the, for the sake of the, I guess, the, uh, what we'll be talking about tonight has a lot to do with opening the senses wide, and then very naturally, as you're describing, there's this, there, there can be this sense of like, I've just let go of all control of what's happening inside and outside, and then it's like startle, fear, which can compound into, am I doing this right? Um, I could have really had a good meditation, and then I tried this weird thing, and I, yeah. Um, I would say, I would say to open up in a way that is um, short, it, just based on based on what you're describing. I would I would I would center with an object, and then o open, and then if you if you feel if you feel the I'm just going to borrow the word frenetic again. Yeah. So, um, if you feel that coming on and it doesn't feel healthy and onward leading. Go back to an object and just go back and forth, back and forth. So your, your nervous system stays engaged. Sound okay? Yeah, thank you. Okay. Uh, I think, that maybe, hi. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Right, 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 right. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. Like giving yourself permission to find, yeah, find a comfortable sitting position. I'm a little envious that the Buddha never needs stretch breaks, <laughs> but that, that's like, that's not us. You gotta take care of these bodies. And um, for the sort of softening and opening that, that can happen in meditation, it's really helpful to find a balanced and comfortable posture to let yourself sit, sit in for a while. Great. Okay, Shikantaza. So we're going to end where we started with everything being included. Everything gets to be included in Shikantaza. Nothing left out. Uh, very famously, the, the founder of the school in Japan, uh, Ehei Dogen, Dogen Zenji wrote, when you find your place where you are, practice occurs. When you find your way at this moment, practice occurs, actualizing the fundamental point. Right here and right now, practice occurs. So what's here for us in direct experience? We have our eyes, sights, ears, sounds, nose, smells, tongue, taste, body, mind, and mind objects. Um, those six senses. Uh, one Dharma teacher said, uh, there's only ever six things going on. So if you're feeling lost, check out what's happening. Find your place where you are. Just these six things. There was a, um, a third Zen ancestor in China wrote this poem in which he, he likened the six senses to roots based upon which everything else sprouts and uh, as he put it, leaves spread forth. Depending on the root, the leaves spread forth. There's this great story in the, in the canon of uh, the Buddha was often confronted. You know, people like to do that. Uh, he was often confronted with uh, someone who wanted to really debate, which is probably healthy. Um, and there's this great story where he, he's, he's met by a great debater and the Buddha, the Buddha is able to describe his own position or he's able to describe the unfolding of all philosophies ever as originating from these six sense bases. Originating from contact at these six sense bases. That point is probably arguable. I don't want to sidetrack us there. All I want to do is highlight the fact that like, there's a lot of experience that grows out of eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind. And I want to emphasize that because that is exactly where Shikantaza happens. Just in the way we were doing. These six senses just wide open. The leaves, in contrast to the root, 
It's uh, all of our classic friends. It's like our evaluations, our doubts, our thoughts, um, our story of ourselves, um, criticism of self and other. Like, uh, you pick your flavor. Whatever kind of leaves grow on the roots that happen to be here. But the roots are these six sense bases. And a reason for emphasizing this, another one, is to say this a slightly different way. This point of contact between your sense and the sense object, right there is where a revolutionary pivot can happen in, in our orientation to experience. It's exactly where freedom happens. Right, right there. It's very difficult to talk ourselves into freedom if we're out in the leaves. But something pretty dramatic can happen if we're very close to sense contact. Something pretty revolutionary can open up. So I want to talk a little bit about Shikantaza in... Um, in the spirit of this teacher, who I've been mentioning a little bit, uh, Hongzhi is a Chinese Zen teacher. This great book, Cultivating the, Cultivating the Empty Field. Practice instructions that were translated by one of, uh, uh, one of the priests in our lineage, Taigen Dan Layton. And... Uh, Hongzhi was like maybe maybe the Dharma great uncle or something to the the founder of Soto Zen in Japan, and he's one of the only people I've ever seen Dogen only praise. So that's saying something because Dogen can really get going. Um, and there's something there's something really powerful about Hongzhi. He was he's celebrated both for his. Uh, both for his poetry, and he has a very powerful way of talking about Shikantaza. And that is, as Taigen puts it, every paragraph contains the whole teaching. You know, we've, been, we've taken several weeks to sort of move in a linear way, and Hongzhi is able to do the whole thing in a few sentences. It's pretty amazing. And so, Talking about shikantaza, there's going to be a little bit of a stylistic difference. So if you hear me going on for two minutes about something and you're like, Kodo, what is going on here? Don't worry about it. Because the next section will come right up and we'll, we'll do it. So one of the classic ways of talking about shikantaza is just wholeheartedly sitting just wholeheartedly sitting. Um, Reverend Mio from uh, Hartford Street Zen Center uh, does a little bit of translation etymology bit. And he says, shikan is only or nothing but. And the ta of shikantaza means to hit or strike against. I think of this as like renewing our attention over and over or coming back into contact with just these senses, just what's right here. 
and then za is sit. So nothing but strike against sitting. Just to be here with sitting. Sometimes shikantaza is likened to a jewel mirror that reflects everything, everything clearly in all its details. Nothing sticks to the mirror and nothing leaves a trace. It just comes right in, it comes right out of awareness. Hongzhu had a, a Dharma friend who invented the phrase silent illumination. He actually meant it as a kind of derogatory thing. It's a funny story um, that we don't have time to tell tonight, I'm sorry. But um, silent illumination is what became this school, the school of silent illumination, Soto Zen. So the silent emphasizes the calming aspect, the settling but just being here, simplification. And illumination is the, I wanna say the function. It's the senses sensing themselves. It's awareness, awaring itself. And then it's how, when there's a pivotal insight into awareness itself, then something happens where we illuminate all things. Everything comes forward and is illuminated. This bright mirror, there's this important phrase that uh, Dogen uses in his teaching called Echo Hensho. It's turning the light around. Turning the light around to shine inwardly. In some ways, this is, like, this is a lot like returning to the root and not chasing the leaves. It's like getting really close to what's exactly here. And then what does it actually mean to turn the light around? And look in. Look inward. What is it that's knowing all of these senses? And what does it mean to trace that back? Dogen calls the art of that study learning the backward step to shine your light inwardly and illuminate yourself. So maybe to belabor the point, Shikantaza, it's staying very, very close to sense contact here and now, again and again and again, not pursuing contacts but just staying here at the point of contact. And then there's this like full immersion, full immersion, all the senses wide open at once. Part of why this, part of why this is so radical, I think, is that, is that um, pretty common for us to operate with a frame that says, I need to think about and solve X in order to be happy or to, or to um, have Y goal come to fruition. And in the world we live in, that's often true. But what is so radical is that you can't, you can't 
talk your, think your way into awareness. Awareness is aware. Our, and, and our work is to stay close enough to it that we can start to get sensitive, sensitive to it, to realize it, to get intimate with it. And then it starts to come forward. So Hongzhi says everything that I've said in three sentences thusly. <laughs> he says, the field of boundless emptiness is what exists from the very beginning. You must purify, cure, grind down, or brush away all of the tendencies you've fabricated into apparent habits then you can reside in the clear circle of brightness. The field of boundless emptiness is what exists from the very beginning. It's just like when we were sitting earlier. We are not sensing. Senses are sensing. Awareness is aware. You can't do it. You can't do awareness. It's amazing. And, I'll speak for myself, I can take the raw material of that experience and really make a mess. So it is then, as he puts it, my task, some pretty intense language here actually, purify, cure, grind down, brush away is a little more tender, all the tendencies you fabricated into apparent habits. Maybe I should say the, the, I think the intensity of his language I'll pick up and apply to the fact that it does take a lot of effort to do the practice. But part of the magic of, of it is the, the effort is, is a compassionate effort in which we're not, we're not adding judgment on top of judgment we're taking, we're taking our actual life and holding it in our two caring hands and then it softens for us and we soften for it. It's very tender work. Then you can reside in the clear circle of brightness. That's, that is, that is your, your practice illuminating all things. Growing, uh, growing out of your heart into everything that you do. It sounds, the, the way Hongzhi describes it, it sounds like it happens um, kind of, okay, just do X or do A, then B, and then C, and you're set. But I find in, in experience, it kind of happens little by little. It's like we, we, uh, we realize in some measure the wonder of awareness. And then that, that softens some measure of my own troublemaking. And then I can take that much insight and that much opening and live it into my life. It happens slowly, slowly, slowly.
So one of the reasons, one of the reasons that uh, we move gradually into a space like this is that um, agitation makes it really hard to see. It's like try, trying, to see, trying to see through uh, water when it's muddy and being stirred up. But over these weeks and learning these different ways to relate to our body and our experience and our mind, settling, 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 so that when we look, we are, our odds of catching a glimpse of, wow, that's awareness, are a little better. I think I want to say one juicy thing. And that is, um, in talking about the practice in a way where there is work to do, there is uh, purify, cure, grind down, brush away, the thought may arise, Kodo, this is a non-dual practice. You're, you're, we're talking about Soto Zen. This is the house of non-duality, and you're telling me to do something. Aren't I being dualistic? I think that's fair. I wanted to bring this in, because sooner or later I think it will come up. And Suzuki Roshi talked about this a lot. Um, I think there's a way that non, the concepts of non-duality, they get a lot of play. They get a lot of emphasis in our scene. And I think partly because they're so powerful. It is a really powerful idea that I'm not going to sort anything and just let experience be. And you can hear how that rings in the shikantaza that we're, we're talking about here. So knowing that, I was very surprised when I, when I came across uh, there's a record of a, of a discussion between Dogen and his teacher when he's training in China. And Dogen pretty much drills his teacher on this exact question. He's like, oh, hey, if we're just trying to get rid of these three desires and what they call these five coverings, you know, aren't we just like those guys over there doing that other thing? And his teacher, Ru Jing, said this provocative thing, which was, oh, um, don't criticize, don't criticize those folks. They, uh, they and we are pursuing the Buddha way. If you want to be like the Buddha, you have to do what the Buddha did, <laughs> was more or less his answer. And um, to close the, close the gap here, um, what, he was, what he was saying to Dogen was like, don't be complacent if there is unwholesomeness in your mind. That's not the idea of non-duality. And what is fascinating about this character, Hongzhi, is he's pointing us to something that I wouldn't, I wouldn't call non-dual, I would call it pre-dual. Where you get close enough to experience in the, in the, the intimacy of actual experience that is before distinction happens. Uh, that's where the decisive pivot happens in the way that I'm reading Hongzhi. 
and something that I, I offer you as a, as a consideration as you're taking up a practice like Shikantaza where you're staying so close to sense contact. So I think in short, and then let's stretch a little. There's this presentation of our sitting practice that we call Shikantaza that is based on a radical faith in awareness. Just awareness. We cannot fashion it. We can't do it. We can't make it. Um, And you can't be without it in any moment of waking life. And by staying close to the simplicity of just awareness and stabilizing in it, that sort of view matures and softens us and opens us. And then when we, when we realize these roots, we decondition the ways that we generate suffering for ourselves and generate suffering for other people even if we don't try. Hmm. I think in a nutshell, that's what's behind Shikantaza. Just this, right here. Just wholeheartedly sitting is the practice of Shikantaza. Pretty radical, pretty radical. And, knowing the time that I've taken, mm, we could take so many, so many pathways through the teaching about Shikantaza. We could talk about this in so many different ways. So, that's part of the beauty of having a practice that's based on something that's before words happen is we can, we can use all kinds of language to describe it. So this is one, this is one for tonight. And I can imagine in weeks ahead, I'll take some different journeys through what Shikantaza is, including the mind-blowing notion that it has very little to do with our subjective experience, actually. That it, has, it is the complete functioning of all conditions everywhere. And we are participating in that. (laughs) Uh, But we won't do that today. I'm going to propose we do another little stretch break. And then uh, see what's in the room and go from there. Yeah? (laughs) Thought experiment. So if if after... um, After all this, I were to say, pop quiz, I want you to go home and sit precisely shikantaza. Would you know what to do? (laughs) Some yeses. I'm really interested in the noes, because now would be a good time to clarify how we do the practice. One of the great things about shikantaza is when you think you know then something else will reveal itself. 
there's this really fun story. This is the last thing I'll say. Oh, uh, story time, question time, question time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. Ah, ah, nice. Um, in in what way do you mean it? Is there intention setting? Mm, for example, meditating on loving kindness. Nice. Could that be in the broader umbrella of Shikha? I think I think it it can be in the umbrella of zazen. In my understanding of shikantaza, strictly speaking, it's not. However, when um, Sojin, Mel Weitzman, um, Paul, Paul's Dharma transmission teacher and my teacher's teacher. Uh, he taught a loving kindness retreat with Gil once where he, he wasn't giving any instruction and people were like, hey, how do we do this? And he described it as radiating light from his hara. And when asked, like this is a person who is dedicated to Shikantaza. He said, loving kindness is the only practice I ever do. So they, they were somehow the same for him. And it was the practice that Blanche dedicated herself to toward the end of her life. Oh, Blanche Hartman, the former abbess. She was the first abbess of SFCC. She was the person I was about to tell a story about. She, um, she said Suzuki Roshi was always so encouraging to her when she didn't know what she was doing in the meditation. Just really encouraging. And uh, one day during Sashin, apparently, uh, during this uh, retreat, she gets the idea. It's like, oh, I've got it. I, I, I could do Zazen now. So she goes in to see him for the interview or whatever and says, oh, Suzuki Roshi, I, I've got it. I can do Zazen. And he was very stern with her that day. He said, don't ever think you can do Zazen. <laughs> that is a big mistake. Zazen sits Zazen, he said to her. Cool. No comment. <laughs> oh, right. Four weeks. This has been really fun, I will say. Um, yeah. Maybe just to summarize some of the, some of the places we've been. Um, my overall, overall aim with all, like, all of these four weeks is to support the cultivation of a peaceful relationship with experience. That when you meet, whether it's something in your body, emotions, your thinking, meditation cushion, your ideas about practice. All of that gets to be met with peace. Um, I, hope that, uh, I hope that the progression was a, a useful one. I definitely invite your feedback. Shikantaza is certainly the hardest one to talk about and in some ways the most fun for, for me. Um, we'll see. So, as I said at the beginning, I want to encourage um, if the if the if 
these weeks of instruction were useful for you, go back to the beginning and really like take your time and get to know that week of practice for a good long stretch and then move to the next and then move to the next. Um, I'd love to hear how that's going. Uh, recommended things to read. Send mind beginner's mind. Suzuki Roshi. Um, there is a fabulous book on Shikantaza um, by a teacher named Kosho Uchiyama. The book is called Opening the Hand of Thought. Really good. And then if you like the poetic stuff, this book that I recommended earlier, Cultivating the Empty Field, if that's more your speed. Um, a point I want to make before we close the whole thing is that all the theory, all of Zen theory, is based in Zazen. And the whole reason for it existing is Zazen and the peaceful heart that comes, that comes out of that practice. Um, very supported by the practice of the precepts, very supported by a practice of community, and um, staying in touch with a teacher that you trust, uh, partly because it's easy to uh, fool ourselves about, um, one, our meditation, uh, and two, um, Oh, my teacher put it this way to me last week. She was like, a teacher can see things in your practice you can't see. And she knows me, so I really trusted her <laughs> when she said that, right? Um, but yeah, it can be, can be really helpful. Um, something that Mirega often says at the end of, end of our sessions is that, uh, well, SFZC has other ways of supporting itself, Yaz, we endeavor to be a completely donation-based group. We, we only exist based on the generosity of, of you and your time and your care um, and the generosity of SFCC at large. Um, so we, we try to cultivate what we call a Dana culture, a Dana culture here. Um, what else do I want to say? That, I think that may be all. It's just a, a, a real delight to spend four weeks in this material. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for doing the work. Um, maybe there are announcements, do you think?